Once, long ago, or last week, as you sat and stood in traffic on some petrified stretch of freeway, you looked up at an overpass and saw a homemade sign that read, Hashtag Treason, or Save DACA, or Worst President Ever. And you wondered, who the heck put that up there? Well, here's where Patrick Randall takes a bow. That's the pseudonym of the Southern California man who also calls himself the Freeway Blogger. It's also a tweak on the name of the heroically doomed, insane asylum patient, Randall Patrick McMurphy, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, since the year 2000, with considerable time off during the Obama administration, Randall has managed to affix hundreds of his messages above freeways throughout California and beyond. He knows that you might not like what he has to say or where he says it, but as far as he's concerned, he's a road warrior for the First Amendment. This mode of communication, putting up signs on freeways, how did you come up with the idea? Was your inspiration the medium or the message? Uh, Originally, it was the message. Originally, it was uh, Bush v. Gore, the Bush v. Gore decision in 2000, which to me was essentially a stolen election. You know, there were no rules anymore, and I could essentially speak out as loud as I wanted about this one. And so your first sign was what and where? It was 1776 through 2000 RIP. And it was uh, actually spray painted on a mattress that I leaned up against a palm tree and then saw was still leaning there the next day, which struck me because at least seven or 8,000 cars had passed by, any one of whom could have just pulled over, walked 20 feet, and knocked the thing over. And that's when I realized how it had stayed up, as everyone passed by thinking the next guy would take care of it. And once I had that little epiphany, I realized, you know, there's some power in this. I read that Law enforcement has to catch you doing this before it can do something. Is it an infraction? Is it a misdemeanor? I believe it's technically a misdemeanor, but the the paradox is if I was ever taken to court, the First Amendment generally wins out over these things. The problem is in order to put a sign on the freeway, you need to get permission. That's the rule. Once you get permission, it's no longer free speech. It's literally state-sanctioned speech. So I operate kind of within that paradox. The process goes like this. I am a person walking with a piece of folded cardboard. I kneel for a moment, and for about three or four seconds, I'm a person putting up a sign. Is that all it takes, really? Yeah. It's You put the cardboard against the fence. You strap a bungee cord or two behind it, maybe a bit of duct tape on one of the corners, and then you walk away. So that's why I'm able to do it. Uh, as prolifically as I have, you know, I've been caught by police red-handed maybe 12 times. Mm. And each time it went like this. Did you put that sign there? Yes, I did. You mind taking it down? No, sir, I don't. And that's it. You know, that is the end of the story. I even get to keep the sign, and they know perfectly well I'm going to put it up, you know, down the street. 
Do you have a schedule or do you just wait until an idea strikes you and a phrase strikes you? After Bush v. Gore, um, I, I put up about six or seven signs. But uh, then came the Iraq War. And once the, what would you call them, the excuses for that war started to fall apart, that's when I realized, you know, I, I got to start talking again. And uh, the phrase, nobody died when Clinton lied, came to me after reading Joe Wilson's letter about the yellow cake uranium. Because for about two years, we all heard about how Clinton lied and he lied and he lied about a very insignificant thing. Well, this is a war, and uh, apparently Bush lied about that. I wrote a letter to the editor of the Los Angeles Times, the way one would, and it just said, editor, nobody died when Clinton lied. And when they didn't publish it, I said, okay, I know how to do this. I'll publish it myself. And I started putting that phrase on signs all over the Southland. And then I got to watch it rise on Google. I got to watch it go from 17 hits to 100 to 1,000 to 17,000. And then it came out on bumper stickers and T-shirts. I thought, my God, I did it. You know, I inserted a meme into society directly through the freeways. So your, your range is California and the western United States? Uh, I stick to big cities. Um, that's just where it works. When you're out in more rural areas, people are not as trapped in their cars. In cities, you've got an absolutely captive audience. Well, you do have it down to a science. You know, how, how to create this sign, a cardboard box. You say a bike box works very well. Mm-hmm. How big are the letters that you project? And well, how big is the sign? With long messages, obviously, the letters have to be smaller. I, for example, I put one sign over the Santa Monica Freeway recently that said, uh, it appears that our president is working on behalf of Vladimir Putin. Discuss. Now, those letters, maybe 8 to 10 inches tall, which is the minimum. Uh, but if you want to do a big, bold, like, graphic uh sign. I just put one up over the Hollywood freeway before coming here that just says deport racists. And uh, those letters can be, you know, two, three feet tall. It's uh, all done with a projector. And the cardboard is whitewashed. So just a thin coat of white paint on cardboard, and it's a perfect canvas for this sort of thing. People Mm. have started doing this around the country. You have imitators as this Flattering? Well, yes, it's a, it's happening in woefully small numbers right now. But uh, you know, I I believe that once people become more comfortable and more ironically frightened of what's happening with their country, then you know you got to reach a certain level of mad. I guess it, it doesn't take much to talk yourself out of doing something that you don't get paid for and that you've never done before. The baseline has to be you have to think that it makes a difference. I put up hundreds of signs that just said uh, Osama bin forgotten during the the Iraq war. And I don't know if that made a difference, but it made me feel good. It made me feel like I was doing something for my country. So long as I'm promoting this kind of free speech, I don't think there's anything quite like it. I can literally reach half a million people for a nickel. And that's that's a fairly powerful medium. I can just get off of this LA freeway without getting killed a car. I'll be down.
the smoke through some land. I what about the driver who agrees with your message but is ticked off at the distraction because he slows down for a fraction of a second. The woman behind him slows down for a mm-hmm. fraction of a second. And driver distraction would be the one charge that could be leveled against what I do. But so long as you're going to have jumbotron screens next to the 405 that are flashing and changing their message every 10 seconds, so long as you're going to have billboards, you know, I'm going to I'm going to stick with what I'm doing until you take those things down. What I do is it's practically sanctified by the First Amendment. I mean, the the people who gave us the First Amendment did it for a reason. And it was it was precisely so that people like me could do what I'm doing. Are, are you itching to go to court over this? It sounds like you're maybe spoiling for a First Amendment fight that you pretty much it, think you could win. <laughs> it would be like having the Chicago 7 in one guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to take me to court over this. Your politics are, how do you characterize them? Oh, uh, just just to the left of, say, Che Guevara. Oh, my. (laughs) So uh, there must be then places where you've parted company with the Obama administration or the Clinton administration. Oh, no, I'm a pragmatist. Um, I went to sleep for the Obama years. You know, I worked my little tail off during the Bush years. And like a lot of us, we just let that fellow take care of things. We could go weeks without thinking about the president. That was wonderful. And it was a mistake on our part because he really did need our help. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a mistake we'll be making again. At least I hope not. Is is Trump almost too rich a target? Certainly. You got to get the signs up quick because he's going to do something else tomorrow. You know, it's I still have some saved DACA signs in my trunk that I didn't get up in time because DACA got saved temporarily. Is this a solo undertaking? I have literally thousands of volunteers. However, when you volunteer for something on the Internet, that's just clicking a button, you know. It's in terms of actually picking up a paintbrush. Maybe I got a dozen on the West Coast. A guy in Indianapolis just started in. There's someone in Atlanta. You know, frankly, all I'd need is about 25 guys working every day, and I could change the political landscape of the country. (laughs) If you want people in Chicago to think of Darfur, I can make that happen in an afternoon. I'll just drive to Chicago, paint Darfur 10 times, put them on 10 different freeways, and you know, by the end of the day, you'll have a million people that you didn't have before thinking about Darfur. Uh, I think I asked you about your favorites, but one I saw was we're all wearing the blue dress now, meaning... <laughs> that was another experiment where if the sign is cryptic enough, the person isn't going to get it until they're at least a mile or two from when they saw it. <laughs> and in that case, that was a, uh, a polite way of saying that what Clinton did to the intern Bush was doing to the country, if uh, that makes any sense. That's very delicately put. The crown jewel of posting this kind of message has to be the Hollywood sign, which has had Hollyweed up there, I believe, Hollyweird, Raffi Sod, which nobody understands to this day, (laughs) and Caltech put up something years ago, too. Uh, Do you have aspirations to the Hollywood sign? No. Why is that? Because 
I get, I'm just going for numbers. You know, I want to see how many people I can reach with the least amount of energy expended on my side. There's a, there's a certain amount of Zen to it, let's say, where you want to get the greatest effect for the least amount of energy spent. And the Hollywood sign, that's just, I'll leave that up to other people. Patrick Randall is your pseudonym. That's how we thank you for your time. And uh, we'll be looking for your signs because, as you said, we're all a captive audience on the freeways of California. Thank you very much. Pat Morrison Ask is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Todd G. Levin and Tim French and edited by Levin. The musical moments are Expressway to Your Heart by the Soul Survivors on Crimson Records, L.A. Freeway by Guy Clark for RCA Records, and Freeway of Love by, who else, Aretha Franklin on Arista Records. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast. <laughs>